Hello and welcome to another episode of the More From Law podcast. I'm your host, Harry Clark. This episode features Chris Lee, a property dispute solicitor at Osborne Clark. Chris comes from a non-law background, having studied modern languages at Oxford prior to entering the world of law. In this episode, we discuss how he approached learning about law, drafting applications, as well as his insights into what training contracts and the qualification process are really like. Let's get into it. So hi, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hi, Harry. No, pleasure to do this. It's great to have you here. And I know that um, we actually got in touch through email after you said that a few students and graduates that you mentored um, wanted to put us together and in touch um, and uh, to share your tips today on TCs generally. And also, I think a really important part of that equation, which is going beyond the training contract and qualification and what training contracts are actually like. Because I think um, a lot of students and graduates sort of don't get enough exposure to that sort of area and understanding what those sort of things are all about. But before we get too much into that, a nice little icebreaker question I like to ask people um, when they come on the show is, is why did you want to work within the realms of the legal profession and um, your background to date for people who haven't had the chance to, to meet you? Um, so reason I wanted to go into law, there was a couple really. I, I originally mm-hmm. wanted to uh, be a teacher, so I went out, worked as a teaching assistant for a bit, realised mm-hmm. it wasn't for me, um, and started looking at other things I thought I might be good at. Um, I think when I when I was 15 or 16, my parents suggested I look into law, and I did some work experience back then. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was mainly administrative stuff um, with you know some interesting meetings, but... Um, you know, so after sort of deciding not to go down a teaching route, I revisited that, um, worked at a small law firm in Oxford where I went to uni and quite enjoyed what they did. So it was a mixture of property law, um, bit of family, bit of wills and probate, and um, the people were really lovely. And I thought, well, you know, I might as well give this a go. So mm-hmm. um, that was so n- nothing terribly exciting, unfortunately, but um, that that was the route I took. Um, in terms of background, um, I was fortunate enough to be privately educated. Um, mm-hmm. I did a modern languages degree at Oxford um, and then after deciding not to go into teaching, um, looked at legal careers um, and I think initially I applied for a wide range of different kinds of law firms, did bits and pieces of work experience, decided I had an interest in property and construction and based on that um, applied for training contracts with firms that specialized in that um, so that that's how I ended up ultimately with a training contract with CMS but um, I'll go more into that as we go in yeah of course fantastic and, and it's really funny you should say that about the kind of parents being suggestive and giving stuff a go when you're 16 because that was almost my exact route as well when it came to finding out about law I think it was my dad who kind of suggested it and tried a bit of work experience around some local firms by emailing about so um, yeah, it's really funny that you kind of mentioned that as your route into law um, but I guess one of the big key differences between yourself and I was your choice of degree and coming from that quote-unquote non-law background um, by, by not doing an LLB undergraduate um, study so when it came to applying for training contracts, when it came to learning about the legal profession, um, what was it like kind of going from that quote-unquote non-law background into a legal one and kind of considering all the, the legal options that are out there for you? I, I certainly think at the start it is more challenging in that uh, you have to be more proactive. Mm-hmm. If you go to many universities and study law, I think you are sort of pushed towards a lot of careers fairs, a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of events that law firms run at universities or mm-hmm. in, in, the, in those cities. Um, as a non-law graduate, I think you have to go out there and, you know, go and badger the law faculty 
get yourself signed up onto newsletters, um, you know, go and do your research and find out what law firms are doing, what events. Um, and at the end of the day, though, it is worth it because when it comes to the recruitment side, when law firms are looking at potential applicants, they don't really mind that much. And I think most major firms, they they end up recruiting, you know, 50-50 mix of non-law and law graduates and I think Mm. you know there is that initial disadvantage because you don't have that contact you don't you know you don't necessarily have those have those connections as a non-law graduate but um, the advantage is that I think if you can um, if you can leverage your you know what it is that you do and you know try and you know try and explain how that makes you a more rounded candidate how that can make you stand out that can in certain circumstances give you a bit of an edge so i i was lucky enough to do modern languages so german and linguistics Mm -hmm. so i you know cms when i applied to them i mentioned that you know i spoke fluent german and you know they have a huge presence in you know europe and the german-speaking world so that that would have helped a bit but you know other things like um you know if you study maths, if you study sciences, certainly uh, a lot of law firms look favorably on that. If, say, they have a life sciences division where, you know, if you understand the science behind uh, behind what it is their clients do in those sectors, um, that is a huge bonus because, um, you know, it a lot of a, a lot of lawyers find themselves learning about what their clients do secondhand and, and catching up. Mm. Um Whereas if you have that scientific experience and knowledge up front, you know, that gives you a major boost. Absolutely. And you, and we've kind of touched on that concept there, but that kind of diversification of thought and that diversification of background, really kind of utilizing it in your in your legal studies, really. So, you know, there's often a phrase of coming from that non-law background. Did you ever feel there was a sort of stigma attached to that? The fact that you were coming from um, someone somewhere that hadn't sort of studied at university and feeling like you had to almost catch up with, I guess, the status quo and what other people were, were doing when it came to applying for TCs? I think it's not there is an element of catching up because if you if you go to many universities and do a law LLB from your first year you'll be you know you'll be put on a you know certainly the experience of people I know who did this mm-hmm. is that they were uh, invited to um, a lot of events you know they were made aware of you know the schemes the first year schemes that a lot of major law firms run and you know major law firms go down to you know cities you know university towns around the country and send their trainees and junior associates along um, as part of the recruitment drive so that mm. you know you you have that exposure to training contract recruiters from you know your first or second term whereas I found that I was doing a lot of my research um, in my final year of university I was um, going along to events where there were you know a lot of first and second year law students mm. um, by the time I made my first application they'd already done a couple of rounds um, and I think the, the path is a lot smoother if you're a law student and you know you you follow the track that's laid out if you go to first year events if you attend a first year scheme and then mm-hmm. in your second year you apply for VAC schemes and then if you don't get any then in your third year you apply again and um you know that there is there is that process there's that roadmap that's laid out and you'll be surrounded by people who will also be doing the same thing you know you'll have the opportunity you know to talk about these things to practice interviews with friends and you know mm. fellow students and your law faculty so so the path is smoother but um at the same time i found that um you know it was about once i was able to talk about what, what perhaps distinguished me from 
say your your average law student um, and actually doing the research not so much learning about the law that's not really expected to any to any great degree but developing that commercial awareness as well mm. um, I think that was more important it was more important that my commercial awareness was fairly sound and you know that's something I you know mainly taught myself mm. um, so that that is one of the challenges whereas I think as a law student you have more exposure to you know what's required you have you have people around you who are doing the same thing so it, it is I think um, certainly more straightforward in certain ways to to get that training contract mm. and we touched on one element of it there when it came to developing your commercial awareness as a sort of a tip for navigating through that path like we kind of hinted at um, and you say you taught yourself this so what was your sort of experience going from that kind of normal background like you say you're kind of slightly distanced and slightly less aware of all these events and kind of resources being put out for law students like you said what was your kind of process um for teaching yourself this commercial acumen and applying it in the application process um i mean in in summary it was mainly trial and error um and it sounds a bit glib but uh (laughs) i think i think my my idea of commercial awareness or what what was required it's changed a great deal over the years i think initially i thought what many people think which is you know knowing a lot about finance and economics and business Mm. which i think is helpful and certainly i know a lot of economics graduates who've gone into law but uh, I think that's only a part of the puzzle. I think at the end of the day, commercial awareness is common sense. It's mm-hmm. it's reading about what law firms do and what their clients do. And what helped was trying to put myself in situations where, you know, you, you know, if, if you were encountered with specific problems as a lawyer, how would you advise your client? Mm. So um, I found just generally reading the business uh, business sections of newspapers helpful. Um, there's a book, it's a couple of books that are quite helpful as well. One which I, I do go on about um, is uh, by a guy called Christopher Stokes and yes. he wrote, I think that he's the revised title is now The City. It used to be All You Need to Know About the City. Um, and I, again, it's kind of your primer to you know, business and economics to the extent you need to know about them for law and it doesn't go mm-hmm. into that stuff and great in in that much detail but having a basic idea of how the city works what kinds of clients your law firm um works for so if it's if it's commercial law then that's that's tied to the city if it's other areas of law then obviously that you know that will be different um Mm -hmm. and uh it's i i found as well that the more work experience i did the the better i was at it because you know, commercial awareness is about learning how how solicitors, how you know, or even barristers, clients operate, um, what they want. Um, you know, I think that's that's the biggest step I think from university to law or working in law was that you know, it, while I was doing my GDL, you know, a lot of the questions, a lot of the stuff we talked about and wrote about was about the application of the law. Mm. but it was quite theoretical whereas the reality was in in commercial law or or even in 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 legal practice Mm. you know you have it's a very very solutions oriented you might have something that happens a situation where something happens a breach of contract for instance where in your legal essay you would talk about the 17 different legal remedies Mm. whereas you know if you do an advice note to a client or have a call with a client 
you know it's a paragraph or two at most you essentially discard the ones that aren't realistic and you know you have to again provide a commercial view so you might you know it might be that out of the 17 options you choose three and then mm. you advise you recommend one um, and you advise on you know the advantages and disadvantages of each one in a very succinct way and that element of writing is not something that is practiced in academia it's um, so to go back to your original question about commercial awareness it's about it's about common sense it's about you know being realistic and pragmatic it's about knowing how you know for commercial law it's, it's knowing how the city operates you know the businesses your clients do and it's about writing or speaking succinctly no absolutely and as someone who actually had the opportunity to meet christopher stokes um, whilst i was at university and to do a sort of um, commercial awareness exercise with him um i vouch for him as well that he really knows his stuff and his, his books are really kind of useful um, and we picked out one element there that i really wanted to sort of ask you about when it came to the gdl and when you were talking about the kind of difference between academic writing and this kind of practical focused writing um like you say i think that's one of the main points i try to drive to people when they ask me what's the difference between say studying at university and doing something like the lpc um, when it came to your experiences of doing the GDL and kind of transitioning from um, that languages degree, like I said, to studying law in that time, what were your tips for understanding all of these concepts in such a short period of time and really trying to go from the GDL straight onto the LPC and, and carry all of that kind of academic teaching with you and, and in a useful way, like we kind of hinted at? I think it's the GDL is challenging. I, I think it is it is a condensed version of an LLB, so it's mm-hmm. not it's not three years crammed into one. I think it's more like two years of study crammed into one. Mm. So I think um, the way I think people around me and, and my you know the way I approached it was to treat it like a job where you know rather than a degree where you go in, mm. um, you go to your lectures, you go to your seminars, you study for three or four hours, you know. Maybe four hours is a lot, but you know, at least two mm. or three hours a day. You, you go to university library, and then you, and then you go home, and you know, it's it is challenging. Uh, I know I know quite a few people also had part part time jobs to juggle, and you know, and and that, um, you know that that is a in terms of time, it it is a very very full schedule. If mm. you are doing your say forty hours study a week, plus you know. 10 to 15 hours part-time work um and you know it's it's also a lot more intense you know that outside of term time this the degree is designed so that you know you have to revise you have to study during the holidays whereas at uni, you know at university when doing your LLB there is that more you know that element of free time so I think those those students I know who treated it more like a university degree tend to str- you know find it more difficult mm-hmm. um and I think you know, in comparison, I think the LPC is, in terms of timetabling, is much more like a conventional degree. Um, so I think, you know, developing good study habits, um, developing, you know, have developing, um, I think, your own way of studying, mm-hmm. and and studying very efficiently. That's that's again really key to doing well in the GDL. Um, so w- whatever it is, you know, when when it comes to revising for exams. So when I you know, and everyone, everyone will have their own ways of revising. I found one, you know, one thing I did when doing my uh, final exams for my bachelor's degree was just to write write my notes out and then condense them and then rewrite them 
um, and you know repeat two or three times until it was in my head at mm-hmm. least for the exam and um, it, it is it is just a process and, and, and an obstacle to get over um, the reality is also that a large amount of the information you will not necessarily need at all during your legal careers but you know unless you want to go into criminal law the criminal elements aren't um yeah you know you don't really use them if you want to mm. be a commercial solicitor but um you do you know i think everything else is is actually quite important When it came to the application process as well, um, you know, you've been through the same process as everyone else when it came to applying for training contracts and vacation schemes and so on. We talked a little bit about commercial awareness, but for your tips more generally, say writing the application uh, forms out and answering the kind of typical questions like why law and why why commercial law and so on. What was your approach coming from um, your background of having studied languages as your degree? I think the, the way... The way to approach it, I think, is to try and distinguish yourself from the thousands and thousands of people who will be applying uh, for training contracts at commercial law firms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even at the even at the small or regional law firms as well, they still they still get several hundred people applying for a very small number of training contracts. So it is, you know, the trick is to try and to try and write that application that ultimately stands out that makes the reader go okay hang on this is a bit different mm-hmm. um and there are, there are several ways you can do that and i think you know cer- certain boxes to tick if you call it that um mm-hmm. you know make sure your spelling's correct your grammar's correct make sure it reads fairly well um but also in terms of your cv what you've done you know so if you and Law firms really prize good academics, but, mm. you know, even then, you know, they're not the be-all and end-all. You know, having work experience in different sectors, having previous legal experience, um, you know, these, these all count for a great deal. You know, if, if a law firm's seen that you've paralegaled or you've, you've done work experience at another firm, um, you know, you'll have an idea of what's expected, um, of, of, you know, if it's in specific practice areas that your target firm specializes in that's even better um if you can show you've got knowledge and experience in other industries as well that's mm-hmm. um that's very impressive um and the last bit is also you know how to be different well there's there's many ways of writing the same story um there's the way the way i the way i see it if you can create a, a good narrative you know, tell a good story, if you like, um, mm-hmm. you know, that is much more likely to stand out. And, you know, if you can, you know, it's, it's all about ensuring that the reader doesn't go, okay, here's just someone who's finished a law degree or, or just, you know, is just having a go. You want to come mm-hmm. across as someone who's thought about it, you know, take the reader through your thought process, why you want to be, you know, a commercial lawyer, um, you know, so this this could be talking about the different career options you've explored or thought about, you know, the different, you know, the character traits that you found in yourself that um, you think would make you a good commercial lawyer. This could be, uh, it could also be talking about, um, you know, the work that that particular firm has done. 
mm-hmm. you know, rather than saying I want to work for Firm X because, you know, Firm X is good at property law and I'm, I really like property law. Um, you know, you talk about some of the property related work that firm has done, do some research about it if it's public, um, pick out an interesting element of it. So one thing I wrote about was um, when I when I did my application to a law firm that specialised in they they did a lot of commercial work, but they also worked with a lot of public uh, public organisations, so housing associations and local authorities, um, who were who about ten years ago started. Uh, developing their own commercial property, partly for sale, but partly mm-hmm. for um, partly to help them with their affordable housing quotas. So that was quite a quite a new thing back then, where housing associations and local authorities were effectively, um, you know, taking on commercial operations, um, seeking to make a profit in order to help make up the deficit from central government funding. So that you know that was my in. And this particular firm um, was doing a lot of that kind of work, and they set up the first public-private partnership of that kind for, um, you know, a, a Thames Valley Housing Association. And, you know, I'm I'm quite interested in politics, so um, I talked a little bit about that. You know, summarised what I just said in a few lines, and, um, you know, and that that I think that helped in getting me an interview, um, and you know, an assessment centre and. Even though I didn't end up getting a training contract there, I got down to sort of the final twenty. Um, so that, um, so I think, you know, try try and find something that the firm does that that really strikes you as, you know, something you might want to do, something that you find interesting, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I think a lot a lot of other stu- a lot of applicants also start writing without thinking about it enough. Um, a lot of, you know, so a lot of applications end up reading something like, you know, I'd like to work as a solicitor. I'd like to get a training contract at this firm because I'm interested in commercial law. Mm. And, you know, that that doesn't, that's not quite, you know, that's all correct and that's all honest. And, you know, that is, you know, almost everyone who goes into commercial law believes that. But it's about making, you know, working out how you can be different, you know, presenting something interesting and, you know, showing that you've done your research a lot of people do their research but they don't necessarily show it or present it all which is a huge shame a lot of this episode we've talked about kind of the kind of prerequisites to the training contract so going through university stage gdl lpc and so on and applications but i think a lot of students often struggle to understand or just don't simply have the exposure to what a training contract is actually like and actually doing one in a day-to-day so um as far as i understand you've just qualified yourself for about a year or so pqe um what was your kind of experience doing the training contract and what was your what, what would your advice be to people listening who are about to start a TC or who are in the process of applying and wanting to understand what a trainee role is is really like and uh, yeah it's it is it is interesting I think it, it is a big jump I think from university to to being a trainee and I think the people who I think really did best or adapted to it quickest were people who had previously started careers in other industries Mm -hmm. and come along and I think being used to having that experience of working in an office or being used to that um, is is a big bonus Uh, because you know as at uni you do have a huge amount of freedom 
and you know in in most in most subjects you have a huge say in what you do certainly and mm-hmm. um especially if you know if you've done an arts degree you're you choose the essays you write you take whatever angle you want you explore things that you find interesting um within the limits of the curriculum whereas i think in in commercial law as in you know most industries you you know you in professional services at least you work for the client mm-hmm. you know you write the way the client wants you to write you think of solutions that the client would like that that suit the client and that doesn't mean obviously that uh you do everything that the client tells you to you know certainly you know and that i think you you have to be the client's trusted advisor mm-hmm. but you have to try and think like them whereas i think at university you know you think for yourself in a way um mm-hmm. you know you you write you know, you have two thousand words to write an essay, so you write, you write your essay, you set it out however you want, you know, it's how you think, and you'll be marked on its merits. Whereas, in you know, advice note to a client, you might want to write two pages. Unfortunately, the you know your client contact gets a thousand emails a day, so mm. he or she wants three or four bullet points. And you know, I think as a trainee, one of the biggest challenges, which something I think that most junior lawyers continuously work on is is writing writing succinctly writing in a commercial and pragmatic way um and at the, at the end of the day you know if you you know if you write a two three page advice note the reality is that you know many people will not read it so you have to end up putting in an executive summary that's three or four lines long mm. at the same time you know you can't oversimplify things so it's about finding that balance and um you know trying trying to square the circle as it were mm-hmm. um i think the i think the other thing about the, the big adjustment the other big adjustment was um you know adapting to the team you work in because as a trainee you're not a permanent employee in that department you go around different ones and so it is you know it really helps if you can adapt to the working styles of those people around you you know it's something that doesn't necessarily seem very fair but you know i think there is an understanding that as a trainee you know you you work for the people around you and it may be that you know you just have to memorize the working styles of everyone you work with (laughs) um and certainly in my first seat i I remember I had a list of three groups of people in my department. One group of people trusted me to send out emails <laughs> or, or to ask, you know, it was very much a light touch approach. You know, if I yeah. wanted someone to check an email, then they would check it, but they trusted me to use my own judgment as to whether or not something was good enough to go out. There was one group of people who um, wanted to see everything, you know, and, and put in their comments before I sent it out. And there was a third group of people who just sort of didn't allow me to have client contact because that's, <laughs> you know, that's not what they were used to. And they, you know, they yeah. would, I would get the documents as the trainee and then I would be very much back room. And then they would basically, I'd be copied into emails, but they would write the emails. And, mm. you know, that, that was how that department worked. And in my next department, I did work for about two or three people rather than, you know, the entire department because that was the mm. way trainees worked so um i think over the training contract each department will be so different in terms of how people work in terms of the type of work they do and um you know keeping an open mind b 
being flexible, being enthusiastic and willing to adapt, you know, it is, you know, it, it is quite tiring. And, you know, after six months, once you've gotten used to working with these people, you have to, you know, jump on the merry-go-round again. And it, there mm-hmm. is, it is quite frustrating sometimes. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a good department will give their trainees good quality of work. They'll, they will train them properly, will give them those sort of career and learning development opportunities. Um, and, you know, I think most city firms are generally quite supportive in that regard when it comes to, um, you know, if what, one, one interesting thing is actually, I think some, some firms like their trainees to be more proactive than others. I think certainly mm-hmm. at my current firm, Osmond Clark, there's more of an expectation that trainees are proactive, whereas I think at the firm I trained at CMS, um, it was much more structured. Um, so, you know, trainees would say would be put on training sessions or they, you know, internally or externally, they would be told, you know, this is how things are done. Whereas I think at, at my current firm, um, you know, it's it's more for the trainees to talk, you know, try and explore areas they're interested in, to talk to different associates and partners, you know, to, um, to be a bit more entrepreneurial, if you like. Um, mm. And certainly I think that's, that's something that will be rarely looked down on, you know, being enthusiastic and proactive, um, you know, taking opportunities to learn about things um, and, you know, not, you know, taking the rough with the smooth because there, there will be a, a big element of, of the job, you know, either as a trainee or as an associate or a partner that is admin and paperwork, mm-hmm. you know, bundling, um, you know, sorting out timesheets, um, you know, even... So, so in property, one of the things we do is, um, you know, manage client lists of properties that they own, um, you know, send around spreadsheets of, you know, current live matters and disputes. Um, and it's all, you know, it's, it's sending around Excel spreadsheets, updating them and then sending them back. Um, and it's not glamorous, but every single job will have an element of that. And, you know, as a trainee, you will often get the bulk of admin um as as especially if it's not chargeable um mm. so you know the, the quality of work i think does improve in a lot of um practice areas but you know that it's it's acknowledged that uh, oh and, and in litigation as well as a property litigator there's an element there's a certain amount of bundling that needs to be done by trainees for you know costs reasons but mm. uh you know if, if you can be enthusiastic during that and you know there are rather than being the trainee who sort of complains about having to stay late, you know, actually, you know, using that, using the work as an opportunity to talk to the associate, to talk to the partner about the case, you know, the underlying legal and commercial points in dispute, um, you know, that, that is hugely appreciated. Absolutely. And, and hopefully, fingers crossed, if all that enthusiasm pays off, uh, you reach that qualification stage. Um, and I think the NQ process, um, certainly at least in my experience, uh, I remember being at university and even now studying the LPC, um, I think it doesn't get sort of taught, talked about a lot or you know, students don't really have a massive idea as to what it's all about. And there's kind of an assumption that you do the TC and stay at the firm, but that's obviously not always the case. And I know it wasn't in yours. So um, what, what was your sort of approach and advice to people who are going through that NQ process and what were your own experiences like? I think... I think the more proactive people are about about it, the better. And mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, there will be a formal NQ process that started, you know, in towards the end of your training contract. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, depending on your luck, depending on your firm and depending on the department you're qualifying into or you want to qualify into, you know, quite often they'll, they'll just, there's going to be more than one applicant for one place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, again, it, it's almost like going back to your training contract applications again and trying to stand out. <laughs> but, you know, the people, you know, things to do, um, and things that people have done that, that can help, you know, talking talking to the people who are going to recruit you, talking to the people in the department you want to qualify into, talking to the partners, um, you know, that helps people. You know, ultimately, people want to recruit those who they get along with and those who are interested and those who are enthusiastic. Um, looking, you know, looking quite early on at qualification prospects, um, mm-hmm. you know, because there are there are some teams in in major firms that are quite small in niche, and I think property litigation is not is is fairly niche. The fir- at CMS when I was applying for an NQ position, they simply didn't have a property litigator role open in the London office. Um, so that that was one of the reasons I think I ended up moving firm and ended up qualifying as a property litigator, Osborne Clark. Mm. Um, I think ultimately, as as a trainee. If you look at what the associates are doing in the different departments, you know, look at their workload, see how happy they are, you know, see what they do, and then, you know, wondering, thinking about whether or not you want to do that, mm. you know. And in in my particular case, I think, um, you know, what I looked at was, you know, the type of work that the associate, the property associates, were doing their clients, whether or not, you know, that's I thought this was a sector that would grow you know whether or not um i you know looking at the hours they did certainly that was i think in in real estate as as a sector and practice area the hours tend not to be too bad tend to be fairly regular um mm. compared to uh, certainly i think corporate and banking for instance tend to have a reputation for involving late hours um people people you know, you don't necessarily start at nine on the dots. You know, people often go in at between nine, nine thirty, and ten. But you know, it will quite often involve late nights. So again, as a trainee, you know, it's good to think about these things. You know, is this something that you want to do? Is this something that um, you're happy doing? Because you know, it will be your career for you know the, the short to medium term once you qualify. Um, and, and also, really, looking at the opportunities available at that department. Um, you know, is it a department that is expanding? Is there a lot of new work coming in? Will it will it grow? You know, mm. these these are all. You know, there's there's a lots there's lots of things to look out for. Um, but at the end of the day, it it is a bit of a gamble because, you know, once you qualify, you are put in a very different position to a trainee. Um, there's a huge there's a lot more responsibility. Um, you know, there's less of a safety blanket, as it were, safety net, mm. uh, rather. And, uh, you know, it, it becomes much more client-facing. Um, mm-hmm. You will be sort of wheeled out in front of clients on the phone, you know, in person. And, uh, you know, you're qualified now. So uh, the expectation of, you know, how you do, how well you do will will increase 
Absolutely. And you've shared some fantastic tips right from, I think, law school through to qualification and beyond. So um, thanks so much for, for taking the time to do that. And I'm sure that um, both aspiring and current solicitors will, will take some real value from what you said. Um, where can people go to, to keep in touch with you and to, to learn more about you? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you just, I think if you search for my name, Chris Lee, you should be one of the first few to come up. Um, but yeah, if you um happy to answer messages um, and questions um, if you just drop me a line um, I will try and get back to you as soon as I can that's fantastic um, and thanks for sharing what you know today on the podcast uh, Chris I really really appreciate it thanks for coming on no worries thanks very much Harry thanks so much for listening to this episode of the more from law podcast if you enjoy the episode and want to support the show please share it with your network and leave a review on the itunes store it's really appreciated if you want to stay up to date on the show follow and subscribe to the more from law podcast on your podcast platform of choice or follow me on instagram twitter and linkedin at the profile harry clark law see you in the next episode